This is BYU Sports Nation, brought to you by the BYU Store, simulcast on BYU-TV and BYU-Radio. Now, from Studio B, here's Spencer Linton and Jerem Jordan. BYU Sports Nation is live, your day-to-day play-by-play in Studio B, presented by the BYU Store, official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Wednesday, September 23rd, wherever and however you're connected, great to have you with us. I am Spencer Linton, teamed up with Jamal Willis, chain gang volunteer, Jerem Jordan. I always thought it'd be fun to be on the chain gang. Uh, You're just standing there, you're making sure this super unofficial means of determining a first down is still going in 2020. How, how do we not have a better situation on with chains than we did in 1968 or whatever? But Jamal Willis, former BYU running back, former all-time leading rusher, now a uh, coach that helps uh, running backs uh, with elite speed. And we saw Jackson McChesney use some of those moves, Lapini Cato and Tyler Algier against Navy. He tweeted that he wants to be on the chain gang for the first two home games so that he can be in the stadium. Yeah. I think that's a brilliant idea, but I think that it's a little too obvious. Like, what's Jamal Willis doing down there on the chain gang? That's great. Listen, I love the uh, the the Cougar Quorum homies, if you will, on the chain gang. I I am amused sometimes uh, by that situation, uh, given it's these little pieces of metal that determine first down or not. Why do we not have like laser yeah. something chips, whatever? Literally in Japan, they like. 25-ton robot just, like, started moving. and (laughs) Like, how do we still have physical chain on the chain game? Once you place the ball in the nose of the football is a chip that is read by a laser finder in the chain. Yeah, it's like, that's a first down. When his knee went down, I don't know. Obviously, there's a lot to figure out there. Yeah. But Jamal Willis, that's funny. It's a great idea by Jamal. And uh, Tristan Hodges' dad, Marty, said, I'm in. And you have to understand. I'm in, brother. The parents have been looking forward to this, the family members of being able yeah. to watch BYU football play in person. That is not going to happen. So you can understand that while there's some tongue-in-cheek there, it, it is very disappointing and frustrating for them. Yeah. Uh, there's like a Hulk Hogan vibe with Marty Hodge, by the way. I like that. Hey, brother. Hey, let's go, Coops. <laughs> I love that. I love Marty. He's great. Here's today's show lineup. Perhaps the Hulk would uh, be interested in this. Former NFL and BYU uh, linebacker David Nixon on the number one thing BYU football should be concerned about with Troy on Saturday night. We go deep blue with BYU defensive back Malik Moore. My one-on-one with defensive lineman Lorenzo Fawatea. Why did he tweet at the Utah governor yesterday and get ready for the busiest spring in the history of BYU athletics? Here are today's BYUSN headlines. The state of Utah downgrades the cities of Provo and Orem to orange, allowing sporting events to still take place, but without fans for the next two home games for BYU football. This Saturday for Troy next Friday's matchup with Louisiana Tech. Defense coordinator Elisa Tuiaki says it is what it is. Yeah, it's always hard. We like to have a full stadium, but uh, it's just our reality that we live in, so we're going to have to deal with it. Deal with it, they will. Listen to BYU Radio's Cougar pregame live, 8.15 Eastern on Saturday night on BYU Radio, and watch BYU TV's countdown to kickoff at 9 Eastern. Again, you were at Navy. You you felt that. It's going to be weird, man. It'll feel even more strange because this is Lavelle Edwards Stadium. It's one thing to be this on the road. Sparta. It's one thing to be on the road in a stadium that holds, you know, 39,000, 63,000 empty. That's it's pretty strange. 
College basketball insider Jeff Goodman reports the West Coast Conference will keep the already planned 16-game league schedule and begin WCC play in late December. Hey, some regularity here. BYU Hoops is among 22 teams considered for Andy Katz's top 36 college basketball power ranking. Gonzaga number one. St. Mary's not listed. Should BYU be in the top 36? We'll discuss later. I'm glad you included that St. Mary's portion. Utah was in the also considered. I thought that was interesting. <laughs> Get ready for a wildly busy spring within BYU athletics because the NCAA approves fall championships to be played in the spring of 2021. We could legit have women's soccer playing at Southfield on Valentine's night. Dress warm. Good, good luck. And the idea of a back-to-back women's and men's volleyball showcase sounds pretty cool, doesn't it? Yes, it does. Steve Vale, warm up the Larnix. Plus, the men's cross-country team will have a chance to defend their national title. The women will have a shot to go for that next step and try and finish on top. This is great, man. This is good stuff. It's awesome, man. Yes, it is. Hulk Hogan references all. Let's go. All rise and shout. It's time for What's Trending. Brother. Threat level orange, Jerem. The Utah government shuts down any opportunity for the 6,000 planned fans to attend the Troy-BYU game this Saturday night. I know. It stinks. And the Friday night game following with Louisiana Tech. So they doubled down on the stinkage. What do you think of BYU not having (laughs) fans in Lavelle Edwards Stadium for the first two games? It doth stinketh to me, Spencer. Yes. I'm uh, I'm not a fan of this. Okay, but listen. Provo and Orem have been warned. Who who do we blame for this? What's the dude? Guacu? Quacu? And all the parties with the... Who, who do I blame for this? Um, this is disappointing. Absolutely. Um, here's the thing. And Mark Durant tweeted it. Shocking that uh, COVID positives went up when you have an influx of, I don't know, fifty to 60,000 students that weren't here during the spring. That's the thing. It's not summer. just BYU. We're talking about the two largest universities in the state within five miles of each other. Yeah. So, listen, is, is, are the students derelict in their duty to, uh, you know, wear masks? Yeah. We're seeing too many videos of no masks, right? Absolutely. But it's not just a Utah. It's not necessarily Utah County residents. It's students that have come in from the outside that aren't doing it too. So I don't know that we can point the finger. It, whoever it's fault it is, whatever. It's disappointing. There's not going to be fans. I, so there's one thing too. I'm glad the games are still playing. Do not, do not cancel the season for BYU football. They are trying their best. And if the people around them aren't doing that, at least they get to play. Because that matters financially for TV money to the university. It also matters uh, emotionally to what this university means. Their mental health of these athletes, coaches, staffers matters as well. So at least they're still playing the games, which is good. This also means uh, BYU's not going to get to 24,000 in Lavelle Edwards Stadium this year. There's no way. There's no way that's going to happen. Because if they're not playing with any fans the first two, there's no way they get up to 24 by the end. You, we'd have to be green again, and we're not going to be green again until, what, next summer or fall? Yeah, and be green oh, in November? No, it's not happening. It's not. But I am glad you brought up the point of the game is still happening. Lost in all of this is, hey, the, the game is still being played, which is fantastic. Can you imagine... No, How bad no, we would no, feel. Okay, no. I'm not even going to go there. Don't eat, not, we I'm already not, went there last I'm week. I'm not even going to go there. Yeah. 
Okay, I won't even we've had, finish that statement, that we've question. Almost, we've almost had we've had two weeks and two days without BYU playing a game after that incredible performance. I don't want to think about no games. The again. game is on. Now, now let's talk about this. But oh, go ahead, sir. No, the BYU the BYU team, to your point, is doing anything and everything they possibly can to keep this season rolling from week to week. <laughs> Nailed it. <laughs> Thank you for that positive affirmation. Doesn't mean it's not disappointing, but. It's about par- it's about parties, Jeremy. It's not about like kids. You go to class, you're masked up, you're socially distanced. Like on campus, you can't walk across campus without a mask. So it's not happening like in class when things are controlled and contained. This is all about what you do after school. And we don't know necessarily that it's all just the students, but it, it feels that way. I, I I don't know. At, at the end of the day, it's like, hey, wear your mask so we. So we can have some semblance of normalcy. Listen, a couple months ago, we were all like like bears in a cave. You know what I mean? But here we are out. People are at work. Uh, you know, some people do it virtually. But you're, you're going to the store. You're out. You, there was a chance BYU is playing a football game. Like, this feels good, right? But now there's no fans, and that's really disappointing. Also, how about the slap in the face from the Utah government to the cities of Provo and Orem, a.k.a. UVU and BYU? That's not Utah County. And, and BYU and UVU's president sent out a joint statement yesterday laying down the smack saying, if things don't change, we will quarantine essentially from in-class sco- in uh, school for two weeks. So there's, there's sort of this uh, probationary period for the students right now on campus. But you're right. It's the issue is not on campus. And again, I, it's not solely to blame on the UVU and BYU students, but certainly that's a big part of who is in the city of Orem and of Provo. But at least the games are happening. We ain't getting to 24K this year. And it, it was disappointing. In fact, here's Kalani Satake from last night on a show about no fans in the stands first two games. Yeah, obviously, I mean, you know, it's disappointing. We love our fans and, and, uh, uh, look forward to being back at home and entertaining them and, and doing as, uh, you know, as much as we can to, to play at our best. And so uh, knowing that the fans aren't going to be there, we're going to have to create our own energy and passion on the sidelines and be ready for that game. And in talking to Kalani a little bit after the show, he was like, yeah, we, we knew that we had to bring it you know, at Navy, and our guys did a really good job of that. You, you heard it in person. We heard it on the broadcast. Like, as you said, a lot of cha-hooing. Mm-hmm. And there's no good way for me or you or anyone who is white to say chihu and sound cool. It's just, <laughs> it do, it's not a thing we can do. It's not a thing we can do. BYU defensive lineman Lorenzo Falatea, we will hear from him one-on-one BYU Sports Nation All Access in a bit. But he also shared his frustration over the last-minute no-fan scenario. Yeah, at first I was a little upset um, just because, you know, everybody, all the players want their their family especially is to be there at their game just to watch their son and all the hard work and sacrifice that they put in. But um, it's, it's the new world that we live in now and today, and it's a thing that we just have to go with it, go with it and it is what it is. And um, we're just lucky and blessed that we still, are, um, that we still have the opportunity to, to play t- today. It is game on, fans or not, and Lorenzo tweeted at Governor Herbert in Utah, quote, just wanted my mom and dad to watch, bro. And listen, Herbert's a BYU alum. He's a BYU fan. He comes to the games a lot. But uh, he did what he felt was necessary, and uh, no fans. So our question today is this. What's your reaction to not having fans the first two games? We put this out yesterday afternoon a little early. We got a lot of responses. 
So let's read some of them. At Hayseed68 on Twitter. Pretty upset. Had my tickets and was so excited. If we have to endure well to the end, it would be nice to have some good outdoor entertainment to make life uh, more fun and worth enduring. Hashtag I hate COVID. Yes, it's time for uh, socially distanced, masked up, backyard parties with only your family. Get a projector out back, small groups, and you can still be outside and watch the BYU hey, game. Hey, there you go. At Troy Beagley on Instagram. I still want to go. Scream and holler outside the stadium. Let the boys know we are still here and rooting for them. Yeah. Are I, there going to be cars pulling up? I, I, someone said, I would like to peacefully protest this at about 730. <laughs> the game starts at what? There 8, will, I guarantee we will hear cheers from outside the stadium. Whenever something good happens for BYU football. Yeah. That could be interesting. Yeah. At Jelly Belly Kelly on Twitter. Not surprised, but sad for those who had tickets. I'm still really happy to have BYU football to watch at all. I, l- listen, that's, at the end of the day, that's a really important thing is that they're playing at all. And again, it's Wednesday. When they kick off Saturday, I'll be like, okay, we're playing. Let's Sweet. get to the like, game. Like, I believe we're playing, but I'm just a little intimidated because Wake Forest moved a game yesterday, Notre Dame. Right, reschedules the game. It's like you you don't know until you kick off. Let's get to kickoff, and man, just give BYU the opportunity to play after 19 days. Just I can't I can't imagine it going longer. BYU's only played one more game than Utah State and Utah, by the way. <laughs> right, right. Brett King answers on Facebook. It's ridiculous. You've got players literally sweating, spitting breathing on each other, inches away, possibly even bleeding on each other for three hours, and that's all fine and dandy, but you can't have fans sit in the stands watching. Multiple people going, I'm going to spend I'm gonna spend Saturday with 6,000 people at Costco anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Why can't I just do it at Lavelle Edwards Stadium? <laughs> there that's are true. optics. There it's, are optics involved. It's true. Well, okay. At least BYU's playing. More of your reaction coming up. Use uh, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, hashtag BYU. Coming up, how do BYU quadruple headers sound this spring? Plus, David Nixon on the number one thing BYU's defense should be worried about when it comes to Troy's explosive offense. And where does this year's linebacking core stack up to the one he played with? This is BYU Sports Nation. BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store, official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. No fans, but we got you covered. Countdown to kickoff. Dave McCann, Blaine Fowler, David Nixon, Spencer Winston will be on site. For countdown to kickoff, 9 Eastern, Saturday night on BYU TV. We are live in studio. Be with your day-to-day BYU sports play-by-play. I'm Spencer Linton alongside Jerem Jordan. Joining us now on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline is former BYU linebacker star, NFL veteran, and current BYU TV analyst David Nixon via Zoom. Dave, great to have you with us. On a scale of one to losing to Utah nine times in a row, how upset are you about no fans against Troy? Oh, I'm going to say like a five because losing to Utah really sucks. Um, <laughs> listen, not having fans is a huge bummer. Fortunately for BYU, they played their first week in front of fans, in front of no fans, and so they're already accustomed to it. Troy, on the other hand, they played in front of 6,000 fans last week, so this is something new for them. But uh, it's a bummer. I mean, listen, a lot of these kids are seniors. This was their season they were looking forward to. Uh, they wanted to play, especially the home opener, wanted to play in front of family and friends, and they don't get to it. It's I think the tough part about it is the fact that they were expecting to, and they were planning on playing in front of fans, and then to get it ripped away last minute. It's just like, hey, throw another, throw another log on the COVID fire right now. It's just, it just keep burning, and you never know what to expect right now. 
Tell us how this affects the outcome of the game, because BYU certainly didn't need fans uh, opposing them at Navy, but when it's home, it's a little different dynamic. Yeah, I think it's a little bit different, but at the same time, this BYU team has found a way to feed off each other, as we saw with the Navy game. And the way you create that energy is is creating big plays uh, and and hyping each other up. And I think both the defense was was forcing three and outs, offense was driving the ball, running the ball. Uh, there is something different when a team can run the ball and just cram it down your throat. It does it energizes the entire team. Uh, then of course you pop with the big pass play here and there. Uh, but when you have a team that's averaging, I mean, you look back when Tyler Algier was averaging nine yards a carry, or Pini Katoa was eight yards a carry. I mean, it's just complete domination. And, and the defense, when you're sitting on the sideline, you're watching that happen. I mean, it, it amps you up because you just see your 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 big boys up front, offensive line, just just going ham on the on the Navy defense on the opposing team. And so, I think BYU does a great job of of uh, kind of uh, feeding off each other per se. Uh, but no question that they obviously want to play in front of fans. I mean, that's what you live for as an athlete, right? You're there to perform. And when you don't get that chance, it's uh, it's kind of a bummer. David, you talked about the domination that BYU's lines enjoyed against Navy. What do you expect from the offensive line specifically against a Troy defensive front? I think you continue to dominate. I'm, I'm interested to see how this first couple series goes for BYU. I'm interested to see if they can go out there and, and uh, you know, still average the – the eight and nine yards per carry for those backs. Um, but I, I expect them to pick up where they left off. No question. This is the offensive line that uh, it's been stated. This is probably BYU's one of the best offensive lines the last decade. Uh, across the board, you look at the experience. I um, mean, look at the talent. It's a fantastic line. And so I expect them to try to run the ball early, establish that. Uh, and then you look at Zach Wilson through only 18 times against uh, Navy. So they didn't have to rely on his arm very much because the run game is so strong. So I think you established the run very early, you know, kind of, kind of let Troy know that, Hey, we're picking up where we left off. It's going to be utter domination today and good luck. When you look at Troy and what they do, they they've had some nice offensive performances when they've won yet. Uh, here they are against BYU team. That's ranked 18th. That's feeling pretty good. albeit 19 days later after Navy. So what do you think, if anything, Troy does better than BYU? Listen, Troy last year, I mean, yeah, this is a team that went five and seven, uh, but they're also ranked in the top 10 in the country, number nine at 313 yards per game passing the ball. So this is a team that likes to go 10 personnel, one back, no tight ends. They mix in some 11 personnel where they put a tight end, usually flex them out. But they go four or five wides, and they air it out. Uh, Coach Ryan Pugh, he's, he's all about distributing the ball and, um, and, and using his weapons on the outside. So this is a team that can throw the ball, so it's going to test BYU secondary, which is a veteran secondary, so I'm not too worried about that. Um, BYU's linebackers as well. And then we'll see about BYU's pass rush. They didn't have a lot of opportunities against Navy to, to showcase their talents as far as uh, rushing the quarterback. So we'll see if they've gotten better in the offseason and if they can dial up some schemes to try to get some pressure uh, on, on Troy's quarterback and, and create some turnovers because that's something that BYU definitely needs to do in this game, especially at home. College football analyst, former BYU great David Nixon with us on BYU Sports Nation. What do you expect from the BYU defense who will be – in a way, unveiling this new base defense. We didn't see it against Navy because you have to play Navy in a very unique way. So what do you expect adjustment-wise from this new base defense? Well, we talked about it all throughout fall camp, spring camp. They were switching from a from a kind of, a, uh, you know, their standard base defense, a 4-3 to this 4-2-5, where you're going to have uh, five DBs, which – which frankly fits this mold perfect in the sense that you're going against these four or five wides 
uh, you know, offense. And so you're going to bring in another another DB, take out a backer. But I'll tell you what, BYU has a luxury with their linebackers right now. You got guys like Peyton Wilgar, Max Tooley, Isaiah Kafusi, guys who can drop into coverage and play almost just as well as I think a DB right now. And so you have a lot of weapons that Elisa Tuiaki can kind of toy with uh, and a lot of different looks you can bring. And so I'm excited for this defense. I think it's going to be a great test, and we'll see how early they're, they're up for the test. Uh, but I, I'm excited to see kind of how that back end, the, the DBs and the linebackers, how they handle this pass initially, uh, and if they can shut it down. Because if they do, then, then I think you kind of put Troy in a really tough position where they've got to run the ball, uh, and, and they, they obviously look to pass first versus run. Troy has the second most takeaways, David, since 2016 in the country with 106. That's just a stupid number. How does BYU avoid coughing it up and allowing Troy to stay in the game that way? Yeah, I mean, that's that's the biggest thing for BYU. I think if you look at the years past, BYU always struggles when they're obviously negative in the turnover margin. And that's something that BYU has done is they shoot themselves in the foot. And frankly, this defense hasn't been super opportunistic where they create turnovers as well uh, in the last few years. And so that's something they're working on. You look at, you look at uh, last week, BYU with, with Zach's interception was kind of a fluke, if you if you call it, with with, with Neil Powell kind of tripping over the, the backer's foot and then and an interception occurring. But this this defense got to find a way to fly around, uh, you know, create interceptions, of course, strip the ball. Um, I think they're going to have more opportunities to, for interceptions than stripping the ball because what Troy likes to do. But offensively, they just got to take care of the ball. We saw that last week, or not two weeks ago, but you saw that with Zach. Um, he had the winter session, but the running backs secured the rock uh, and, and, and they ran well. So they just got to be positive turnover margin. That's something that you, you have to be. I remember when I was there, one of our pillars was plus one, the turnover margin. Uh, if you're plus one, you're going to win a lot of ball games. So we'll see. It's it's going to be a, uh, listen, it's it's not your Arizona State, which was BYU was supposed to play last weekend. I think he was, who was slated for this weekend? It Minnesota. Was, uh, Arizona, that's right. Uh, P, another, a P5, right? It's not a P5. You're playing Troy. Uh, but this is a Troy team that's got a lot of athletes on the field. And BYU struggles with teams that have a lot of athletes. And so, uh, you know, especially on the outside where you've got DBs and, and uh, running backs that can, can run the ball. So I, I think BYU's got to be prepared. This isn't a team you can just come in and, and sleepwalk and, and hope to get the W. You've got to come in here. And, and I think if you can instill some doubt in Troy early, and show that you're picking up right where you left off with Navy and that you're for real, uh, then it should be smooth selling from there. Let's be honest. Uh, BYU is a 14-point fave at this point, open at 16. We think BYU should win the game, and Vegas thinks they should uh, should win big, right? Let's talk about this, because if BYU is going to have a special season, hold on, i gra- got to grab the blue goggles. If BYU is going to have a special season, David, and you know what this is like on some teams, you were on a team that was in a quest for perfection, whether you agreed with that or not, prior to the season. Margin matters, right? It, it, winning isn't enough against a team like Troy if BYU wants to be in, say, a New Year's Six or something good. So h- how does BYU play its best game? And, and of course, winning is enough, generally speaking, but if BYU is going to do something special, margin matters. Yeah, I, I think uh, it's all the uh, show points, right? you got to win in an impressive manner. It's tough because, listen, Kalani's, as we've seen in the past, Kalani's not a guy who's going to run up to score. And, and, but given this season and, and the schedule, you kind of have to do that if you're going to make a case for yourself towards the end of the year to potentially play in a New Year's Six Bowl game. So I, I get it. It's a tough battle there. Kalani's got all class. And, and like I said, he doesn't love to run it up. And we've seen that time and time again where he kneels on the one-yard line or whatever at the, at, at the end of a game. But I'm with you. I, I think BYU has to show, have impressive outing. And once again, 
most people just look at the score, but if BYU can be up 20-30, put in the backups uh, in that third, fourth quarter, uh, then I think most people will take that into account. The good thing is this weekend, still, BYU is still somewhat in the limelight. As we move forward, you're going to start having you know, the SEC and other teams uh, full-fledged into their, their schedule. So uh, enjoy it for one more week, the limelight, when you're playing Troy on uh, primetime television. David, you've already mentioned the BYU linebackers once. I know that they will be talked about on after further review and have been talked about on AFR. Where does this linebacking crew for BYU now stack up to the core you played for at BYU? Listen, we're early on right now, uh, but if you can base everything off that first game, I tell you what, as a core, with the guys they can rotate in and out, I mean, Max Tooley comes in because he's coming off suspension, comes in and, and gets a strip, right? He causes a fumble. I mean, uh, you got guys flying around. I like this core a lot. I mean, you go back to our years, my 06 year with myself, Brian Keel, Cameron Jensen, Markel Staffieri at the middle. It was a pretty solid four. Uh, but these guys are, they, they can roll out a solid four as well. So we'll see how the season progresses. I don't know if I'm ready to, uh, to, to give him the, you know, give him the torch quite yet or rain him, rain him as, as champions there. But I, I like this squad a lot and I love watching them play because each guy brings a, some, something a little different to the table uh, as far as a collective unit. And, and they're fun to watch. They fly around and uh, make plays. And that's all you can ask for from your linebackers. The multi-talented and multi-faceted David Nixon with us on BYU Sports Nation. Check him out on After Further Review. Of course, after uh, you take him in on Countdown to Kickoff on Saturday. Check him out on uh, the internet. Just just Google David Nixon, and uh, you'll, you'll read about his day job as well. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, appreciate it, guys. All right. David Nixon on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline. Deseret First, you know why we show how. If two and a half of the linebackers make it into the NFL – then they got a shot to be discussed in the same breath because Brian and David were multi-year NFL guys. Cameron Jensen was with the Seahawks for a little bit, didn't end up playing in the league. Um, but Hey, that, that'd be hard to beat. But this group, the depth of this group is really impressive. Really impressive. Think about like Keenan Peely is a guy we don't mention, but he's solid, man. So good. And the way they played against a tough Navy team. Oh man. I understand why army doesn't want to play Navy. BYU has enjoyed a wealthy linebacker. Rather. I mean, just think about 2013 bunch, Kyle Van Noy, Spencer Hadley, Alani Fua, all NFL dudes. Yeah. And, and there were even more guys. I mean, there Red were Warner. <laughs> I mean, yeah, been pretty, good. pretty crazy. Okay, coming up, a new deep blue on defensive back Malik Moore and his voice for unity. Plus, it might be the best Jimmer Fredette trick shot yet. You decide. This is BYU Sports Nation. This segment of BYU Sports Nation is presented by Visible Supply Chain Management. Watch BYU football's clients talk today or VOD. Following BYU Sports Nation, Greg Bell and coach for the Detroit matchup. You hear from Gunnar Romney and Isaiah Kapusi as well. It's right after us, on demand. Right is, now on the BYU TV app as well. Sorry to cut you off. He is Jerem Jordan. I am Spencer Linton, and that, this that was, is BYU Sports Nation. That was a look at the stadium Saturday, too. Live look into the stadium. <laughs> no one's there. Oh. <sighs> Boo. <laughs> yep, this is what it will look like, minus the players. So there it is. At least it's beautiful. Let's whip it. The Cougar Whip Round presented by Invisible Supply Chain Management tackling America's most challenging shipping problems. Joey is outside Andy Katz, top 36 power ranking in college hoops, is one of 22 teams in consideration. Does BYU hoops deserve more hype right now? No, I think they're right where they should be given the turnover that BYU has had to deal with losing TJ Haas, Jake Toulson, and Yoli Childs. A basketball pun. Turnover. 
give them an opportunity to win a few games early on and then work their way into the Andy Cats power 36. Right now, I think BYU is in a position where they should be considered. BYU lost its top three scores. So blind resume, you do not throw that team in unless they're named Villanova or Gonzaga or North Carolina, right? right. So BYU has a potluck of talent, which I'm excited to see coalesce together. Speaking of one of the three guys that BYU lost, Jake Toulson is one of four guys pegged to become the next Duncan Robinson, a member of the Miami Heat. In other words, an off-the-radar guy in this year's draft who could have an impact on a team next year. Could you see Jake Toulson in an NBA uniform next year? I wish I had an uncle that was a general manager in the NBA. That'd be nice, right? Um, th- that would be pretty awesome. I'm thinking Jake's career is probably G League or internationally. But he's such a good shooter, and he's not just that. He's an overall player. He's a better overall player than Duncan Robinson. But Duncan Robinson is an elite three-point shooter. So we'll see. I'm, I'm thinking it's overseas or G League, but we'll see. Jake Toulson, with the right connections, as you pointed out, Jim, <laughs> has them, could find his way onto a roster. Like, if there's somebody that is going to have an inside track on how to get into the NBA, right. whether it's the G right. League route or whatever, it's Jake Toulson. I'd love to see it. I'd love to see Absolutely. it. Absolutely. Dennis Dowd reports the Football Bowl Association filed a waiver to eliminate bowl eligibility this season making all who play eligible to play in a postseason bowl regardless of record and standings. Is this a good idea? Jeremy, I can't wait to watch 2-4 and four Arizona State play in uh, the Cactus Bowl. It's going to be incredible against <laughs> Tulsa. This is weird. It's just, I, but it feels like they have to do that if they want to fill all of the bowl games and include all of the Power 5 teams. And I know that there are existing contracts well, for all Power 5 conferences and even Group of 5 conferences with the 40 or 41 bowl games, whatever there are right, right no now. No Mountain West, no MAC as of now. Pac-12 is trying to play. Right but the Mountain West says they want to come back by October 24th because they want the bowl games. The yep. Pac-12 is meeting tomorrow. We'll have more on that in just a moment to try and decide what they're going to do. But can you imagine a... Two and four team, a losing record team with half of a schedule playing in a bowl game? Yeah, I, I can because it's COVID. It's all weird. Yes, this is a great idea. Why not just have everyone you can play? Because what there's right now, there's 91 teams for 80 spots. So only 11 wouldn't at the moment. But if you add Pac-12 and that list, that's different. Can we make it at least a 500 record? In your six games, you got to go at least They're three They're not going to fill in the bowls. It's just, bowls are just exhibition games. Why not? What, outside of the New Year's Six, who cares? Okay. Whatever. It's just a game. So you don't have to talk to the in-laws. <laughs> I love my in-laws. So. <laughs> Rob and Pam, you know this. The Pac-12 could decide on a schedule that would include either six or seven conference games by tomorrow. If that is the case, Jerem, do you feel a six or seven game schedule is enough to warrant consideration for the college football playoff and New Year's Six? Well, let's evaluate this. Uh, When they play 13 games, they're not really considered. They haven't been the last three years, and they've only been in two of the six. So, no. No. The Pac-12 should not have a team in the college football playoff. But what if somebody runs the table in their division and go 5-0 and and then win the Pac-12 championship and they're undefeated? Does not matter. You played six games. It's not enough to get into the college football playoff. And this is my issue with BYU's schedule. They need to get to the same amount as the other teams who will be applying for the New Year's Six. At least 10. Because the same argument will be made against BYU that we just made against the Pac-12. So quantity matters 
I am sure BYU is going to add games in November. At least 10 games. Play at least 10. They won't add 10 games in November, but probably total. Whether it's UMass, maybe UCF finally comes to the table on November 7th. That'd be awesome. And I hope Army, Army. Loses, I hope Army hey. loses to Cincinnati because then maybe then maybe a, they'll play. Then maybe maybe they'll play BYU because they, their shot at a special undefeated season would be over. They don't want the smoke. It's true. They don't want the smoke of BYU after watching the Navy game. Army needs to lose Cincinnati, and then maybe BYU gets on the back end of the schedule. With the NCAA proving the playing of fall sports championships in the spring, it would lead to a jam-packed spring for BYU sports. So what's your spring schedule like right now, Spence? I'm going to apologize to my kids and wife right now. Um, I'm going to leave early January, and I'll be home I don't know. In May? Early May. Yeah. Uh, this means I'll be calling more games as well. So I'm, I'm stoked. This is we could have quadruple headers of soccer, double headers of volleyball and baseball and softball and women's and men's hoops. I'm stoked, man. I think it's going to be fun. It'll be really fun. It'll be super busy. Our producers are like, fun, yeah. <laughs> They're like, I'm working two games every Saturday? Yeah, and we got to keep everybody safe and healthy, too, in the winter. Assumed. Yeah. So I hope I hope it's busy. I really do. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Let's see. Jimmer Fredette released his latest hashtag Trick Shot Tuesday feature yesterday, which shows him hitting a shot over a house. Jerem is this, his house, right? Is this Jimmer's best trick shot yet? Well, let's watch it together and you decide. So he's he's uh, throwing this like a football over the house. Bang! <laughs> yes, this is his best shot yet. The rest of, okay, that one is wow. real skill, and he's flexing, yelling. Yes, this is his best one yet. Absolutely. It's a football toss over the house. How many times did he have to attempt it? What, what is that? What is that rock on the side? That is that is nice. It's good to be Jimmer, man. Oh, oh nice. my goodness. That deck is good. Okay, here's some others. Yes, these require skill, no doubt. Off the ceiling, off the wall, bouncing in. Into a boot. Into <laughs> Into a boot. Yeah. <laughs> I, I haven't seen that one. Um, no, no the, over the house? Over the house, bro. That's clearly the best. I want to know what take it was. Yes. How many take? How long were you out there, Jimmer? Take 37. Tweet at BYU Sports Nation because I know you're watching. Wh- Whitney's like, uh, can someone else shoot this? It took too long. Well, I know Whitney's family watches the show, so maybe they can find out. What's up, guys? Hey, hey. Wendy's family, find out what take that was. We want to know how many they're, attempts it was before it went in from Jimmer. They're contractually obligated to say one, probably. Coming up, what Lorenzo Fawatea tweeted at the governor of Utah. Plus, our deep blue feature on BYU defensive back Malik Moore. What led him to BYU? This is BYU Sports Nation. BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store, official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Are you a demanding person? If so, you're going to love the BYU TV app because you can watch whatever you want, whenever you want. Uh, BYU Sports Nation app for the view, coordinator's corner, kind of kickoff, BYU football, Sunny Stockade, Heartland, Studio C, Dwight Chettinger, all of it is on the free BYU TV app. Welcome back to BYU Sports Nation live in Studio B. Is that BYU... the Heber Creeper? Oh, is, that, is, that, is, that, is that what we just that, showed? Is that still what it's called? Or is it the Heber Valley Train now? Yes. Okay. Oh, is that the official name? Like the Red River Shootouts, the Red River Rivalry. Was that the tourney train? Was that what? There's the there's the tourney train ad. There's the conductor set right there. What? (laughs) I'm not putting this on quite yet. I got I got to see us play. We got a ways to go. Let's see BYU play first. 
BYU junior defensive back Malik Moore is making an impact not just on the field for the football Cougars, but off the field as a voice for change. His strength comes from his relationship with his mother. Here is their story in today's Deep Blue, presented by America First Credit Union. We're here to help. My mom is my world for sure. That's why I have this necklace. Like, it says her name on it. Swear it everywhere I go. Just a reminder of who I do it for. And I always do it for my whole family. But also remember, like, what everything she's been through. She's a very caring and loving person. I just learned in life that no matter what trial, no matter what tribulation, no matter what your circumstance is, life is still moving. Nothing is going to stop just because you're going through. So you might as well keep pressing. You might as well trust God. And I've been shocked so many times about how God has worked things out. So I've just simply learned to trust him. I I was for sure a trouble kid. I was bad growing up. You know the little green, yellow, red cars? I was always on red every day. His grades were excellent, but that behavior every day, he was on red every day, literally every day. (laughs) My, My teacher, they called me Motormouth. My, it was like Malik Moore, so M.M. I just talked a lot, always talked back. He loves me so much, but I love him even more. And I would always tell all of my kids, there's greatness inside of you, and it's my job to get it out. <laughs> so in order to get the greatness out, I felt I had to drive the foolishness out. I had a three strikes, so the first time you get in trouble or something, you know, maybe, you know, you had a bad day. Second time... Okay, we're going to have a real talk. But the third time, it's whooping time. Every time I got in trouble, I just pray. Just pray to God. Before I got whooping, I pray to God. He had his little hands together on his little knees, and he said, Lord, please take away the spirit of rebellion and disobedience and help me to be good. It was so repetitive, you know, just some as a kid, you're like, I'm just done. I'm going to act right and just my life right. <laughs> These young people, they've got a lot of a lot of informa- more information than ever before, more ability to see what's going on in the world, a new perspective that, that guys my age don't have. And what's been important to me has always been what's important to them. Our culture on our team is that we want our players to connect. We we share our vulnerabilities, we share our, our weaknesses and 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 hope that others can can come to know us each individually nowadays because there's so many voices and so much noise out there people get carried away with being right or wrong and i really can appreciate it when when a player or or anybody will step up and give their opinion i woke up one morning and decided hey look i'm gonna do something about the situation and everything went on in the world and corona then we had police brutality going on it was it was ridiculous that moment in time really affected him in a moral way that he felt responsible to speak out and say something. I got to writing a script. Uh, I called my mom and asked her, like, what are some things that I can do or give me some ideas to start this off? I said, God has given you a vision. No one else can bring this vision to pass except for you. Typed it up, sent it up, and asked a bunch of players to Hey, will you be will you be a part of this? And can you help support the cause? And gladly they did. My teammates are real good. They're family to me. I appreciate all of his teammates that per- that participated. I believe it took a lot of courage. And seeing some of the comments on the video, I know it took a lot of courage to make a profound statement and a stand and really 
show the world what you're standing for and who you're standing with. It was a fun experience to have and to be a part of something like that and to make a change. I know that what's going on right now in the world is important to Malik, and I applaud him for his leadership, for being able to speak out. I'm proud of the things that he's promoting and, and trying to help um, lives become better and trying to help fight social injustice and racism. And so that's something that they want to talk, that they want to be vocal about. I'm going to support him in all that. I know whenever I first came to BYU my freshman year, I was for sure judging the person next to me. I didn't know who they were, and I kind of placed them in this certain box that, okay, they go to BYU, the LDS, and I didn't want to talk to them because I didn't think they were going to have the same interests as me. But I believe me going out of my way to talk to people and to meet people, it wasn't like that at all. And so it goes to show that loving your neighbor and getting to know them takes you a long way. And it didn't matter to me whether that person was LDS or not. Everyone believes the same color as you. So all that matters, you can believe what you want to believe and I can believe what I want to believe. Either way it goes, we're both human and we can still have fun together. Malik Moore, our Deep Blue feature. We had an opportunity to speak with him over the summer in the midst of his voice being heard to create change within our culture. And uh, it was, I mean, just a real humble, hardworking kid and fun to see his backdrop. Always with the red card. Now look what he has developed into, led by his mother. Really cool stuff. Yeah, that relationship is really strong and really cool to see. And Malik's rehabbing from an off-season injury, so we hope to see him at some point this year or, or next year. But uh, Malik, Malik's a good player. He's played a bunch, but obviously these stories explore what's going off the, off the field with him. Mississippi and San Diego is where he grew up. So two very different places, right? But uh, here he finds himself, as he chronicled, in Provo, which is also a different place. <laughs> so he's getting uh, a good life experience in different spots, and he called for unity. And uh, that, that was a, a nice move by the BYU football team this summer. Yeah, great point by you to point out uh, the Mississippi-San Diego-Provo juxtaposition. Three, three very different places, right? Yes. Different cultures, absolutely. Okay, coming up, Rise and Chatter. It's one of the most influential people in Cougar football history. Plus, why does BYU defensive lineman Lorenzo Falatea hate being nationally ranked? Like, hates it. This is BYU Sports Nation. Deep Blue on BYU Sports Nation is presented by America First Credit Union. We're here to help. BYU Sports Nation's Rise and Shoutout is presented by Mountain America Credit Union, guiding you forward. BYU defensive lineman Lorenzo Falatea tweeted at the governor of Utah yesterday when he found out about no fans in the stands, but in spite of that disappointment, he'll be ready. I started my one-on-one asking, how are you going to recreate the atmosphere that BYU created at Navy on Saturday with no fans? Um, I guess it's just the same the same mindset that we took into Navy's game is going to be the same mindset that we take here, but it's just a different, uh, different venue and different stadium. But I think it'll be more special for us because it's our home stadium. I mean, we've done scrimmages in the fall that, that were in our stadium that with no fans. And we've kind of already talked through it as, team, as, t- as a team that um, this is how it's going to be like during the game, you know, just in case we didn't have any fans. So I think as a team, we're used to it and we're ready. I could hear you guys from the press box at my position in Annapolis all the way down on the sideline and thoroughly enjoyed it. And I wasn't the only one. ESPN's Kirk Herbstreit and Reese Davis got a kick out of it. Are there plans to maintain that same type of volume on the BYU sideline? 
um, no plans. I guess it's just um, our mindset that we go into it, you know, just just how we approach the game. Um, just days before the game is how we're going to be during game day. So I guess it's throughout the week and the energy that we bring throughout the week. Without a doubt, disappointing to lose the 6,000 fans that were planning on being in attendance at LES. How did you handle the news when you first heard it? Um, to be honest, I was kind of upset, you know, just speaking to my mom and dad. Um, this is the reason why I play this sport is because of them. They put me in this sport and I'm here because of them, you know, and I just kind of want, I kind of just wanted to show out for them, you know, every game day, but it is what it is. And as a team, we are blessed just to even have a game this week because last week it got canceled and a lot of us were bummed, but you know, it is what it is. And it's the world that we live in today. And, you know, just got to accept it and move on and play ball. I know you felt strongly enough to tweet at Governor Herbert of Utah. Any of your other teammates uh, on board to, to send the governor a tweet? Uh, yeah, they were just – they were all kind of just like, we'll like and retweet your tweet. And, you know, they were just <laughs> with me. I guess I was just the only one that really wanted to say something. And, you know, it just caught me by surprise. But it, it is what it is. Uh, an understandable reaction for sure uh, when, you're, when you're banking on something like that. But uh, after a few hours, it seems that you have kind of mentally processed this and now you got to turn your attention to getting ready for the game. So let's yeah. focus on Troy. After your film review, what do you notice about Troy? What's priority number one in stopping their offense? Um, what I notice about Troy is that they're a really fast-paced, up-tempo team. You know, they try to catch you off guard. You know, if – while they're moving the ball down the field, they get a couple catches, short passes, short passes. They'll catch you off guard with a run. You know, um, I guess as a team, as a defense, that we've been ready and we've been um, we've been practicing up tempo practices. And and I guess last week with um, having it off, we've been up up to par with our conditioning. I would say so. You know, we're ready as a defense. How did you manage the COVID situation with practices, how was it for you as a player to go through kind of that modified edition where you couldn't practice normally and now you're back to full speed? So how, how are you working through that? And, and uh, um, how was it beneficial to do that? Um, I guess it was, um, it was, it was a change for sure. Um, you know, with me being here for uh, three to four years, it's been different ever since, but um just from going to modified to back to going back to regular practices, um, it's it's been good actually. Just to, just so we can um, just be safe with our testing, you know, having our players be in certain groups at certain times um, that we are here to lift and to go through runs and whatnot. Um, it was good just to monitor our team just so we can play this season. So I, I give that all up to um, John Swift a guy that's been putting things together, our athletic training staff and our coaches for doing that for us. So it's been good. We're with Lorenzo Fautea on BYU Sports Nation as the Cougars prepare for game number two, this time against Troy on Saturday night. Uh, what type of BYU team and culture do you expect to show up at the stadium on Saturday night after 19 days off between games? I think it's going to – the same team that you saw in Navy is going to be the same team that you'll see at Troy. And I guess that will be for the rest of the season as well. So, being off 19 days, uh, it's been good. And it had its ups and it had its downs with different things and not being able to be here with everybody on the team. But the same mentality that we went in with Navy will be the same one that we go in with Troy. So, Did you get your homework caught up at least? Oh, yeah, for sure. For sure. You know, I'm stats and I hate math. So stats has been kicking my butt. But having this week off, 
I've been able to sit down and really go through lectures and, you know, homework has been top tier right now. <laughs> hey, there's, there's a silver lining in everything. You caught up yeah. the studies. Now it's, now it's time to get back to football. For sure, um, man. For sure. As you push toward this game, you have a little number 18 in front of BYU ranked uh, in the top 25. Mm -hmm. I know that your coaches are very careful about how you handle those things, but how does it impact you when you see the number 18 next to BYU in the national rankings? Um, to be honest, whenever I like, when I see it on Twitter and I see like post about us being number 18, I kind of, I kind of hate it. Cause in fact, you know, like we've won big games last year and we've, we've not been in any rankings. And like for this year, just to win one game on the road, we were, we're ranked top 20. And I, and I, and to me, I feel like we don't really deserve it in a way that we still got to prove ourselves. So just like um, Mateos always tweets poison, it's poison. In my head, I'm like, yeah, that is poison. Like 18, that's, that's nothing to us. You know, I feel like we should be, you know, focusing more on just winning the rest of our games and being us and who we are. So, yeah. I can't wait to tweet that headline out, why Lorenzo Falatea hates <laughs> being ranked. But I get it. I like it. I, yeah. I actually, uh, I get it, and, and I like that answer. Okay, from a defensive perspective, Navy runs such a unique offense you go out and you have to format to what they do. But when you play Troy, you're going to go into the base defense that you're preparing for all offseason. How different will the defense look on Saturday night compared to what fans saw against Navy? Um, I would say there won't be much of a big of a difference. I think you'll see, you know, I think you'll see everybody flying around against Navy trying to go to the ball will be the same as we go to Troy with the air raid of, runs and throws I think you'll see everybody flying around more so but yeah that'll be good all right Zoe we appreciate the time man let's thank you some thank you man Sports appreciate it. karma uh take the karma go and do good things against Troy uh with that defense and <laughs> yeah. congratulations again on getting uh your stats homework finished up yeah thank you man have to have to <laughs> <laughs> Lorenzo Falatea on the Deseret First Credit Union hotline our elite voice of the day presented by Sundance Mountain Resort from at Shamo's Beats simply says, let's just play football. Today's Rise and Shout Out presented by Mountain America Credit Union guiding you forward goes to the Ty Detmer family. Uh, Ty lost his dad, Sonny, legendary high school coach uh, at the age of 76. Great man. For Jerem, I'm Spencer. Satake Show's coming up next. Go Cougs.